Good day, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. It was nearly 20 years ago to the day that our lives and our notions of safety and security were indelibly changed. On September 11th, 2001, at 8.45 a.m., an American Airlines Boeing 767 loaded with 20,000 gallons of jet fuel was crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. By the end of the day, a small group of militants associated with Al-Qaeda had hijacked a total of four airplanes and carried out suicide attacks against multiple U.S. targets. Two of those planes were flown into the Twin Towers in New York. A third plane hit the Pentagon, and a fourth crashed in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Nearly 3,000 people were killed during those attacks, and many more suffered injuries and unimaginable loss in the days weeks, and years that followed. Today, I want to delve into that day when everything changed for America. And I want to hear what you were doing that day, how you felt, what you remember or take away from that morning now, 20 years later. Later in the hour, I'm going to talk with Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Spencer Ackerman about how that day triggered major U.S. initiatives to combat terrorism and was the defining cornerstone of the George W. Bush presidency and how that collective destabilization set the stage for the rise of someone like Donald Trump. But first, I'm really excited to welcome someone to the show who was closer than most of us to the World Trade Center that morning back in 2001. David Turnley is a Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalist who spent decades covering wars and revolutions all over the world. And then a few years after moving to New York in the late 1990s, he found the war coming to him. David Turnley joins us now from Paris. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen, for having me. Good morning to everybody out there. Yeah. So all this week, uh, I have been struck by what you've been sharing uh, on the Internet. It's a multi-part photo series on your Facebook and Instagram accounts of photos from that day, September 11th, 2001. Before we talk about the images that you captured, I'd love for you to take us back to that morning for you. You were living in New York just a few blocks, really, from the World Trade Center. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. I had moved to New York City to the West Village, uh, which is just several blocks north of the towers. I would go for daily jogs along the Hudson down next to the towers. Um, So it was an area that I knew very well. That morning uh, at about 8, I guess, 44, 45, I think, as you just quoted, I was in the shower and heard what sounded like a train when it stops, when the wagons really clack against each other. But it was like a a monumental sound that I'd never heard taking my shower in the morning. (laughs) And it seemed very strange to me, but I got dressed to go to an appointment, walked downstairs, and the first, I saw that the first, uh, that a plane had hit the first tower and it was in flames. Mm. I literally, you know, kind of quickly had to make this decision. Do I go down? Do I go to this appointment? And there was really no choice. I said to myself, this is what I do. I can't look myself in the mirror and 
after all these years that I go all over the world to cover world events, uh, continue to call myself a professional photojournalist. If I don't, in my own backyard, respond, I went and got my cameras. Fortunately, I had 20 rolls of, of film that um, were still virgin rolls of film, and my batteries recharged. I, hit, I got the, down to the street. The second plane hit right as I got to the sidewalk, and it was very, it was there was just sort of this collective gasp. There were hundreds, if not thousands, of people near where I lived, looking south along Sixth Avenue, and we realized that this was not an accident. Um, so I headed straight down, and um, you know, honestly, I had been in war zones all over the world. I I most recently in the late 90s had been covering the war in Chechnya. It was almost killed. I'd been in severe, intense war zones for a really long time. I wasn't eager to see what I knew I would eventually see when I got down there. Hmm. Um, but nevertheless, uh, abided by my professional responsibility. I was, I got about three blocks in front of the towers when um, I was stopped by a police blockade and there was a part of me, frankly, that was sort of happy that they had stopped me. Um, they were sort of these big, burly, uh, strong-willed policemen, and I stood there for about what seemed like 10, 15 minutes photographing these two towers in flames when suddenly the first tower collapsed. I probably literally was within three to four blocks. And I, I, I to this day, I... I, I've never really tried because it's impossible to, to describe outside of sharing my photographs what it is to see a 110-story building collapse within several seconds. Mm. The mm. same burly policeman that had been holding me back and I dove into a lobby of a building to get out from under the falling debris. And because I would jog down there every day, I, my first instinct sort of went into war zone mode, which is almost, I think, similar to being a trauma surgeon where you, you very quickly sort of figure out what you can control and what you can't. And my notion very quickly was I needed to get over to the river where there might be fresh air. I was afraid there would be gas lines that would explode. And I said this to these police officers. I said, look, we've got to get over to the, get out of this building and get over to the river. They didn't move. They were really, they'd all kind of really obviously and understandably very, very, you know, really disorientedly shaken, several of them crying. I got outside. Um, it was it was very eerily quiet, uh, just totally silent. And then the next thing that uh, was so ever-present was this kind of foot-and-a-half deep, almost gray snow of the, of the, of the results of the debris and uh, made my way over to the river and got down as far as the uh, effectively uh, parallel to the uh, ground zero, literally just a couple hundred meters away, when I encountered a, a group of firemen who were carrying a body, one of their buddies, uh, to get to the river to try to load the body onto a, a fireman's yacht to carry away. Again, what was so eerie is I had on my right the Statue of Liberty still standing. It was a beautiful blue day. And then you know, just to my left was was this, uh, this almost nuclear cloud of smoke. Um, I made my way beyond, uh, through the buildings to literally 
and, and then on my way over, the second building fell. And then I found myself literally right next to this Bruegel-like, Bruegel, you know, sort of the paintings of the Dutch painter Bruegel that are just like, you know, beyond imagination. Um, mm-hmm. sort of, it, it, words can't describe. The only thing that I can do is sort of share my photographs. The, the monumental, colossal uh, result of two 110-story buildings that collapsed. And, and in your mind, of course, the next more important and, and tragic question being how many people were in that building. There were several firefighters that I joined and they were standing. We waited probably 30, 40 minutes until this massive fire had sort of uh, uh, gone its course. And while I was standing there, one of the firemen said to me, my buddy traded shifts with me this morning because uh, I had a divorce hearing or I would have been in that building where he just was. And, and that was kind of what you felt. The firemen were all in this sort of just state of shock. And when we went in, I went in with the very first fireman. The next thing that was just so, uh, so powerful and so memorable was just the, the complete sense of desperation that these firefighters just couldn't find anybody to save. Mm. Um, it was, there just wasn't anyone. Um, and then I, I stayed with this fireman for most of that day and photographed in the rubble of the twin towers. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, it's such a harrowing account and, uh, you know, just sitting here listening to it, you know, I have my own flashbacks of the real palpable emotions of that day and those moments uh, when you started to think about what was going on in New York and um, and what was happening to the people who were there. Um, but but I wonder if you can talk about 20 years later, going through these photos, uh, choosing the ones that you wanted to share with people this week, and, and maybe how the emotion is different. Um, you know, and you know, as a, as a fellow journalist, I know often when you go back and look at work that you did uh, at a at a kind of critical time, uh, maybe under some duress, um, it, it it seems different. It seems different in some ways years later. Um, well, I, I think if you can, it, yeah. yeah. No, great question, Steve. I think interestingly, there's a really big difference, which is. So first of all, I didn't really sleep for the next several days for many reasons. Number one, I had to get the film processed. There were probably 20 rolls of film. And then we had to, it was, it was just the beginning really of, of using the internet to disseminate photographs. I didn't have a digital camera. So all these frames had to be chosen and then scanned. So that was, you know, that, that was a, a <laughs> after having been in the, rubble all day and and an entire night just trying to get out some of these images so the the one difference that's obvious is that today in the in the age of the internet and certainly social media and with the time of 20 years i can go through and i and i selected in in the last several weeks i selected a, a kind of opus of what i thought were the most humane as well as representative photographs of what I witnessed, um, 
and am able to now via social media disseminate these pictures, you know, to people all over the world, which I, I really didn't have the capacity to do at that time. And answer your question of what does 20 years do? I mean, I think, I think the mindset that you might have to think about for me is that I've been in war zones since Beirut, since West Beirut, 1982, and it was really kind of bizarre. I remember, I mean, you're never prepared for anything, right? But I remember when I got to Ground Zero that first morning, I ran into a another war photographer I've been working with all over the world since Beirut, hmm. and we immediately sort of said, well, this, this has origins in what we've witnessed back in the Mideast in, in the early days in, in Lebanon. And we sort of had this quick conversation, and my friend said, yeah, but I think there's a, a Keita element here. And my point being to you is that when, you, when, you're, when your professional life had been for 20 years navigating through the geopolitics that probably were at play to some extent hmm. on 9-11, not, not, not justifying them, but it, it, uh, it wasn't the first war zone I was in. Um, and I had a job to do that day. Um, I think 20 years later, I'm proud of the work. I'm proud that it serves as testimony to the bravery of the people who, who lost their lives, the courage of the people that lost their tragedy, the people that lost their the bravery of the people who tried to save lives. And I think maybe as much as anything, just this profound sense that, you know, often is the case, which is the real tragedy is that people that got hurt that day were just everyday people who go to get up and go to work every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that included the, the firefighters who come from all kinds of backgrounds, um, Irish Americans, Italian Americans, um, and just the tragedy of the manifestation of hate, wherever that comes from. And I think, I think one of the really important outcomes that I'm always struck by is that I think as a society, as a world, I think it's important for us to try to understand, not to justify, not to ever apologize for, but, but to try to understand where hate come from, comes from. Um, and so I'm proud to be able to offer photographs that, uh, that bear witness and honor to those who have lost their lives, the families who were touched, and those who really you know, risked their lives to help. Um, and I think of it as a world tragedy I, mm. and I think it's, I think it's a, and I think it's important to remind people. Um, and, and I also think it's important for us to think as collectively as human beings and, and kind of move past sometimes national boundaries and try to figure out, you know, what's going on here. Mm. Uh, I'm talking with uh, David Turnley, a Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist who now lives uh, in Paris. Uh, 20 years ago, he was living just blocks away from the World Trade Center Twin Towers uh, at the time of the 9-11 attacks and was one of the first photographers uh, on the scene. David has been sharing uh, many of the photos he took that day on his Facebook uh, and Instagram accounts. They are absolutely uh, moving photographs uh, 20 years later. It's very, I have found it, I should say, very difficult um, to look at uh, many of them and, and go back to that moment. Uh, but uh, it is important, as David just said, I think, to, to try to take account of uh, what happened on that day, what's happened since, and 
of course, what happened before, uh, what led up to uh, these attacks on uh, our nation. Uh, we want to hear from you as well about your memories around what you were doing when you found out about the attacks on 9-11. Uh, uh, what are your memories? What are the lessons that you think uh, we should have drawn uh, from the last 20 years of response? to those attacks. We would especially love to hear from you if uh, you're a Muslim American. Uh, I would love to hear how you remember that event and how it changed your life in the months and years that have followed. Are you hopeful that uh, the withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan signals a definitive end to the so-called war on terror? Uh, tell us how it's affected uh, your life over 20 years. Uh, as always, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll try to include you in the show that way. Let's start with Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to the show. Okay. Hey, go ahead, Gene. You there, Gene? Uh uh, good morning, Stephen. Hey, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was. I, I'm right here. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. I was in New York uh, that day. I was uh, on my way to the World Trade Center. Uh, I had an appointment at uh, Italian Food and Wine. I was uh, there to uh, for a German wine tasting the day before. Hmm. Uh, friend of mine I had seen just that day, uh, Christian Adams. He was on Flight 93 that crashed in Shanksville. He was going from New York to Frisco to do the German wine tasting out there. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, I saw the towers fall. I was right in Brooklyn, just across the river, uh, near Flatbush. And the thing that... Uh, sticks in my mind the most was the smell hmm. uh, of the uh, office debris, paper, building materials, and a lot of our fellow New Yorkers. And the thing that uh, sticks in my mind most when I got back, uh, Father Parker at St. Cecilia's uh, mm -hmm. then, mm -hmm. I went to church. And his sermon was on why do they hate us? And it's unfortunate that uh, with our lack of understanding of history and other people's cultures, we still don't know. Yeah. Wow. We still Gee. don't understand. And it's, it's a profound misunderstanding that I, I fear we still haven't gotten to the bottom of, but we have to soon yeah. because it's only one planet and we're yeah. all one people. Gene, I, I really appreciate uh, the call and that, that very vivid uh, memory. Thanks so much uh, uh, for reaching out today. Uh, let's go to uh, Fuad in Detroit. Fuad, uh, welcome to the show. Hey. Stephen, good morning. Hi, good morning how are to you? you and to your guest. I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day. Uh, recalling my uh, memories, I was a young man, just came from overseas, specifically uh, Yemen, uh, working at the what we call the tower, the airport tower control center. 
It's mm. a building, tall building with a glass shape, ball shaped building mm-hmm. in the airport for a catering company. Uh, really, the lack of uh, my knowledge in history and kind of uh, how the West and the East kind of, you know, don't like each other on the face of it, at least. Uh, that was happening real quick, and the first thing that somebody said in the control is uh, the tower has been hit. Hmm. In my head, it's it's like they're talking about the the tower, just like the tower that we're working in, but just like in New York City's airport. Right. So I'm starting to kind of get in nervous, you know, and 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 uh, so then you start hearing all kind of stuff like uh, all kind of comments because I was the only Middle Eastern man in the control center at that time uh you would hear comments from here and there and you know uh they're thinking they're doing god's work uh these uh blah 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 overseas people just did this are we gonna get back to them are we gonna annihilate them uh really i i heard it all and i of course i sympathize with everyone i sympathize with my own country i mm-hmm. also sympathize with uh everyone who who died right after that as a result of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Millions of people overseas. Uh, of course, our men and women in uniform here. Uh, firefighters who rushed. That was crazy. How do you rush into a burning building not knowing what's going to happen? But that's, uh, that's courage not a lot of us would uh, probably experience. Um, mm. uh, however, uh, your, your caller, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking a little longer, but okay. your caller talking about hate and we still don't know why some people around the world hate us. I think you've got you've to do some research. You've got to listen to the other side, and you've got to, and I'm not making excuses for somebody retaliating in this way. Even if you hate someone, there's a million other ways to retaliate or to get their attention that they're not doing you right. But the, the, the fact that uh, uh, in the Middle East, the main and the central uh, 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 piece is the... Uh, probably was the Palestinian-Israeli uh, matter and how it is looked in the Middle Eastern eye as its oppression and it's, mm. uh, it's something that has been uh, forced upon us. Uh, and then, you know, I don't like conspiracy theories and all that stuff. Fuad, like to- Fuad I'm, I'm not trying to cut you off, but we're going to run out of time in the segment, and I do want to get back to our guest uh, before, we, uh, before we leave, but, but I really appreciate uh, your call and your perspective. Uh, David, we've got about a minute left. I'd love for you to talk about how you've seen things. Uh, I mean, you've continued your work in the last 20 years. How did 9-11 change the way you approached these kinds of issues? Well, thank you. I think you've had a couple amazing uh, other uh, contributors there, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's it's sort of a continuation. I, I've, you know, I, I'm all, I've always been someone who thinks um, identity is important and should be respected, and we should respect each other's differences and embrace each other's common humanity. Um, and I guess I continue to feel that way. Um, and I think you're you're uh, so. Um, I think really for all of us to sometimes take some deep breaths. I think, first of all, let me just say something. I think the next few days, these are days to really, again, 20 years later, to pay honor to the people who lost their lives and to mm-hmm. risk their lives to mm-hmm. save, those, save people on that day. Um, so I think this is, it's probably less the time to do some of the thinking or the introspection or that I'm, that I'm about to talk about. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think, yeah. So let me be really clear about that. And my heart is with, with every family that had anyone involved on that day. But I think, 
I think it's really important for all of us. We, we now in a global age where we're connected by the internet in, in, you know, to people immediately. I post a photograph on social media and I have responses from China, the Soviet, from Russia, from India within seconds. People all over the world. We, we live in a global world today. And it's, I think this COVID endemic pandemic has really illustrated that. I, I mm-hmm. think the thing that couldn't be ignored during, in COVID is that we're all humans and, and, and we have to, I, I think it's really important for us to, to embrace national identity and also to really be very careful to um, respect future people's differences. And, 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 and if we do that, I think, I think we make progress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, David, uh, where, where can listeners take a look uh, at these photographs? Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. So my name, it, my, the handle on Instagram and Facebook is at David Turnley, which is David, G-A-V-I-D-T-U-R-N-L-E-Y. Mm-hmm. And I will be so happy for people to take a look. I've posted 60 photographs in six segments on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd really love you to take a look at this work. Yeah. And yeah. Stephen, thank you for having me today. I'm really grateful. My roots started the Detroit Free Press. Yes, they I'm did. A, <laughs> and, and I, I'm a graduate of the University of Michigan and a professor there. And, yeah. and I'm a go blue guy. So love you yeah. all. Yeah. No, I, I have always said that uh, growing up here in Detroit, uh, your photographs were part of the inspiration for me. Uh, to become uh, a, a, a journalist. So uh, uh, that means a lot to me, Stephen. Thank you. I can't. <laughs> that touches me deeply. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for being with us. Uh, it's my pleasure and my honor. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to hear from Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and author Spencer Ackerman about his new book, Reign of Terror How the 9 11 Era Destabilized America and Produced Trump. Uh, We also want to continue to hear from you on the phones and on social media. Tell us about your 9-11 memories. Tell us about what you feel like you've learned, what we've learned as a nation since then. 313-577-1019 is always the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.